All right, welcome in Cube Show podcast, a college football podcast that comes to you on Sundays. We focus primarily on the SEC, and we're going to have an interesting discussion about really every SEC school, every SEC stadium today. Uh, Georgia guard Tate Rattlitz made uh, a little bit of noise earlier this week when he said Tennessee was, I think he said, the coolest stadium in the SEC. Um, and then he kind of came back and said that basically he was talking about the structure of the stadium, just kind of how it was built, how it was created. But it got me thinking about these SEC stadiums, something that we need to talk about, we need to spend a little bit of time in, and just what's unique. Because a lot of you haven't been to other places, and you might not understand how cool it is or if it's worth going or what's worth going about it. And then I think there are different ways to talk about all of this. So you talk about the entire experience, and that includes the tailgating. Uh, that includes everything around the stadium. Uh, do you talk about just how difficult it is, how loud it is, how intimidating it is? Uh, do you talk about the in-game experience? I think those are all very different things. It can be very different, different places. But as somebody who has broadcast in every SEC stadium at least once the last three years, uh, I may have hit every stadium the last two years and played in the majority of these stadiums. I think it's a fun conversation for us to have. Um, I thought about talking a little bit of O-line play uh, because there was a pretty cool offensive line chart that was put out this week about... Uh, like a continuity chart. And I think a lot of people took that and immediately rolled it into this year. Maybe we hit that next week. We'll talk some O-line play. We'll get into that a little bit. Just talk about the different O-lines in the SEC, something to be a little more technical, a little bit more nerdy that we can spend some time on. As you guys know, each and every week, we're brought to you by Wickles Pickles, wickedly delicious. We keep them here. We've got them stocked always everywhere we go. They are with us. We love them. Um, I put Wickles on chicken taco earlier this week that my wife made, and they were fantastic. Uh, so go check them out at Wickles.com or get them in your grocery store, and you're going to find a lot of restaurants that are going to have them in some of their dishes as well. So check those out. All right. SEC stadiums. How do we do this? First, let's just kind of go through the SEC stadiums. We'll start with Alabama. Brian Denny Stadium, a place that I played. Uh, the only Iron Bowl that I played there was in 2000. It was the first one in over 100 years when I played there and in, in Tuscaloosa because it had been played in Legion Field. And then I think a couple played in Montgomery. Uh, but it was really cool to go back, a place that I visited a lot. I went to a bunch of games as a teenager growing up and as a recruit. Uh, you know, 100,077 people. And there are a lot of things that I think make this place pretty cool. And it's the, it's the footprint for a lot of these SEC stadiums. Like, I think the layout, um, the surface of the footprint is... Basically, Auburn and Georgia are pretty much the same thing. Like Jordan-Hare and Sanford are like the exact footprint, I feel like. Uh, I feel like Davis-Wade is very similar. It just doesn't have, you know, one end zone is very different. But as far as like how the seats go out and around, it's very similar in all those places down around the bench area. I do think that takes away from it just a little bit because all the folks kind of aren't right there on you. It gives you a little more room to operate, gives you some comfort room as a visitor. So it, it takes away some of the intimidation that you get in other places. Um but when you get a couple of these things going in this place, it, it gets rocking. I think it is underrated how loud it is because I think a lot of people discount how difficult it is to play there because they only focus on the team. And so the the environment doesn't get a ton of credit because the team's so good and has been for a decade plus, which is fine. And that'll be part of the conversation when we rank these a little bit later, because I do think it has to be included. But you get in there, man, and now they got the LEDs going and they they make it all red, all crimson, and they get Dixieland to light going before the fourth quarter. It is 
it is something to deal with. They play the you know, big elephant noise and like they get that thing going. They do another Alabama first down. The whole crowd does it. And I can say this from experience, like late in the game, when they get Ramajama going, uh, it's disheartening as a player. I never, I never felt it there undefeated in Bryant Denny stadium, but happened to me in my home stadium and it sucked. Um, I can imagine when you're a visiting team and you're down and you know, you can't come back and win and that thing gets going like it is, it, it can't be a comfortable place to be, but you, know, you look at the entrance that the players have, uh, you look at, uh, the million dollar band is exceptional, uh, and the way they get going right there before the game, uh, you know, obviously they give you a certain chant, which I'm not going to repeat, uh, as they kick off, which is very unique, something that's really cool and unique for a lot of sec schools. Uh, but that would be probably one towards the top of the list with, you know, what Auburn does and with what Georgia fans do, but it, it's a cool place, man. Like, and I think they've done a great job with the in-game atmosphere becoming a little bit better because they don't have a mega jumbo screen they've got them in the corners um and i've said for a long time for me as a broadcaster one thing that's interesting about being on the sideline calling games at brian denny see i i can cheat a lot of times because i don't have a monitor in front of me like a lot of color guys do in the booth but there are a lot of places that essentially the live feed is up on the video board but it's about two or three seconds behind so i can watch a play and i can see what i think the right guard and right tackle did and i want to talk about it and my eyes can immediately go up to the board and i can actually see what took place or if that took place or if i even want to spend time talking about that so a lot of times when i jump in and I want to get something in and Jordan's not going to talk about it after a play. It's because I saw it on the field and then I looked up and I saw it again live. And so that confirms with me. Yeah, that's something we need to spend a little time on. And I'll jump in and say something. I've I haven't gotten confirmation on this, but I, I do believe that Coach Saban has instructed replays to be very limited inside that stadium. So the opposition can't get a different look as to what's been happening. And that could include what defense is being called, what play was just run, how it was run, what worked. Which, if that's the case, it's freaking brilliant. Um, but it's just something that I've known that's very different from a lot of other stadiums. I would say almost every other stadium in the league, I can get a replay on pretty quick, but not all the time at Alabama. When you do get a replay, it's like literally just the ball carrier, like a frame around the ball carrier, and he's running, and that's all you get. And I'm kind of like, well, that's worthless for me. I don't get anything off that. I need to see how plays develop. Uh, their last home loss, by the way, was in 2015. We are going into the 2023 season. That is stupid. Uh, LSU, we'll jump to next. Man, there are just certain cathedrals in college football that are special, that are different. That when you, and, and I feel it when I walk in Tiger Stadium every single time. It doesn't matter if they, and actually one of the coolest things, that we, we had the Southern game and the the environment outside the stadium was almost felt bigger than an SEC game. It took us twice as long to get there than it did for, say, the Ole Miss game that we did there a few years prior or the A&M game. Uh, that was amazing and, and obviously huge for the city of Baton Rouge. But there's just a – I mean, Tiger Stadium seats 102, you know, 321, whatever it is. You got the band, the Golden Girls um, – you know, you got the H-shaped goalpost still, which there's only a couple of those left in college football. I think it's awesome. And there's just, there's a diff, there's definitely a different feel when you walk in there. And there's usually a different odor outside the stadium. And there's most likely going to be a different energy inside the stadium when you get in there. And it's cool because you come through the tunnel 
and everybody's like right there. Like there's a lot of stadiums that I set up in because I set myself over by the fence and there's nobody really near me. But Tiger Stadium, you set up and there's fans like right there. Now, it's not as close as all the way around as it used to be. When I played, they were right on top of you, man. And they would walk down to that chain link fence and they would just be calling dudes out left and right and MF and everybody the entire game. The entry to that stadium, I remember as a player more so than any other. Uh, coming in that back way and seeing four and five year olds, you know, giving us the middle finger and like empty beer bottles hitting the bus. And we had to stop one time. And I remember the bus just starts swaying like they were shaking our bus, like pure intimidation tactics. And it was awesome. Like I was one of those guys as a player. I love being the heel. I love being the bad guy. When we ran out in the stadium and got booed like that, that gave me legit energy. Like I loved it. Never felt like scared or intimidated or like, oh man, this is going to be hard. Like it was fun. Now I will say this, uh, that's, that's one of the loudest environments that I've been in. It's one of the hottest football games I've ever played in like that. The other thing people forget about you go in tiger stadium, man, like outside of maybe Gainesville or Auburn, I don't know where else you're going to get like similar humidity. Tuscaloosa can get it occasionally, but you know, that thing is as you know, Gainesville, Baton Rouge, about as South as you're going to get. And you're not really, you know, you're not dealing with, I don't think the same kind of humidity all the time. Like it's hot in Gainesville and it's muggy, but it's a different mug in Baton Rouge, man. Like it's thick, thick, thick. And I can remember uh, when we went and I think this was 99. Yeah. The cigar game. It was like a four o'clock kick. It was something weird. And God almighty, the sun was, you know, so the sun's on the visiting team longer. So it stayed on us. And it was so damn hot. And I had to, you know, center calls plays. He comes out, calls the defense, you know, he calls point linebacker, identifies blocking schemes. And after like the third series, I'd go two plays. Like I just couldn't talk. Like my mouth was so dry. I couldn't talk. So we come off the next series. I pull my Jersey down and I just doused the V of the neck of my Jersey with a water bottle and so in between plays, I would have to pull my jersey up and suck on my jersey to like hydrate my mouth because it was just so damn hot. It was just, oh, it was miserable. But it's a special place, man. 42 and 10 there since 2015. When the, the first time that I went in 97, Mike the Tiger was still, you know, they would cart him around before the game. And I can remember just that was one of my first road trips that I went on as a player. And like, they got a damn tiger in a cage? Like, what the fuck is happening here? But it was it was also amazing at the same time. I had just never seen anything like it. Um, you get down in that left corner of the end zone when you're going away from the third deck and the students are right there with the band next to the band. Like it gets rowdy down there, man. And it's actually not quite right on the field. Like there's a little space behind the end zone. The corner of the end zone gets right by them. And that LSU sidelines kind of right by them. But boy, they get rowdy and they get loud down there and they get, they having fun and don't be in there when they get neck going, if that happens, because it changes the dynamic of the entire place. Um, but when they get that um, they, that pregame salute, ha, 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 I mean, it, dude, there's not a whole lot better than that in college football. There's just not. And there are a lot of little mini traditions like that. You know, the band is always great, always fun. It's just... If you've never been, please go. It is a different place. And one thing that I'll stop right here with LSU, like there are some people that are never going to allow you to say that another place is more difficult to play. Same thing for Gainesville, same thing for Athens, same thing for Knoxville, same thing for Jordan Hare, which is okay. It's fine. I saw a tweet from Brandon Marcello, a uh, friend of mine earlier this week, and I thought he laid it out beautifully. 
essentially that this is all dependent. And when I rank the most difficult places to play in the league right now, a little bit later in this show, you'll get a better understanding for that and what I mean by that. Um, I played in Neyland Stadium the year after they won a national championship. I promise you. Uh, they always do the little jet engine or whatever it is like to do the decibels that it's the loudest stadium I've ever heard in my life. And it ain't close. And we couldn't make checks at LSU in 97. Like it was loud, loud. So it A&M gets super loud. The swamp, super loud. But some of those are not going to be what they can be right now. Others are going to be more than what they have been right now. So that's another reason I kind of wanted to have this conversation. I think it's fun. I think it's cool. This is a little bit of a lighter version, not diving deep into the X's and O's. We've got plenty of time to do that before the season starts. SEC media days next week. We'll be previewing that as well, because that'll be the Sunday going into media days. We're going to have some special things for you at SEC media days in Nashville. Let's keep rolling though. Texas A&M. This is one when they came into the league, I was so excited to go to. I can remember watching games there as a kid uh, with Quentin Corriott and those guys running around just thinking, man, that place looks amazing. It's like so tall and it just looked awesome. And then you see the traditions and you get to witness the traditions. You hear about how good they are and how fun they are. But they start singing and they start, you know, that, that chorus gets going about sawing varsity's horns off and they start swaying back and forth. And I mean, you just you almost get dizzy and you hear about it and they talk about it. But then when you get in there and you see it, man, it's a real deal. And the stadium's just beautiful. Like it's just, it's, it's clean. It's pristine. It's nice. Giant jumbotron, which is big. I will say I miss Kanye for the entrance. Ah, uh, Hey, like I need that back. I know Kanye has been half canceled by everybody. I don't really care. I just want the track in to let the Aggies run out because I thought it was better. Um, but man, the band is awesome. The cannon going off after they score, the cadets all being there walking around the horses, pulling the buggies around before the game. Now you got to be careful because you'll step in horse shit. Like that's, it's still there all over the place. Cause you gotta be really careful if you're walking down around the sideline, but man, it's a cool place. Like the traditions, like no other, um, obviously the yell leaders down there, you know, doing their thing. And it's just, it's a cool place. It is by far one of the most unique places in college football that I've been to. And it gets loud and it gets cranked up and they get that thing going. And I, I think they were blasting sandstorm in there in the fourth quarter of the old Miss game last year. And I was like, Whoa, buddy, this, I, I think Tom even asked me, he's like, how loud is it down there? And I was like, it's, it's, it's up there with some of the best that I've seen 48 and 19 in that stadium. The last decade, by the way, are the Aggies. So it is a uh, it's a really cool place with some really cool traditions, a place I suggest everybody goes. Uh, Ole Miss is one that not going to be as loud as all the other places. I'll fully admit, but Vaught Hemingway Stadium holds about 64,000 and it can get going. It can get rocking. Uh, you know, they got the LED light show. Um, you know, they were one of the first. I'm not going to even have a pissing contest about who was the first and who did this and we're going to, I'm going to, I'm going to get comments of we were the first to have LEDs and do a light show. We were the first to do a song at the end of the third quarter. We were the first to let our band on the field. I don't really care who was first. It's, it's about who's the coolest, who's the best and who's the most unique in my opinion. So whatever all that is, so what, uh, Ole Miss has got that thing going, especially at night. It's really cool. Uh, you know, that student section and I guess it would be, I feel like it would be the North end zone. If I have it right, uh, going away from the new edition, I think they're doing another edition to the side I'm referencing now where the students are. Um, there are a lot of coaches. There are a lot of players that I've talked to over the years that said pregame, they, they have to make that lap right there because of the front row that where the students are. 
you take that for what you will. But somebody who's done a lot of sideline games there, um, I would probably say that there's some accuracy in those statements that those people are making. As we know, what's best about Ole Miss happens outside before the game. The Grove is totally insane. And if we were gonna if we we're gonna have a ranking and a discussion about tailgates and who was the best outside and around the stadium, we just talked about LSU. They're gonna be up there. Ole Miss is gonna be up there and probably be at the head of the pack. Like that's just it is completely next level what happens in the Grove. And it's a it's a cool tradition. It's a cool sight to see. You got to go check it out. But the in-game atmosphere has gotten better. They still play on grass, so I love that. Um, and it's just a it's a fun place. There are there are times when I feel like more people in there could make it a little bit better, but it's it's got a lot of history, a lot of tradition, and definitely a cool venue, but a cooler scene probably all around it than actually the scene that's in some of these other stadiums that we're going to talk about. Uh, but I love going to Oxford. Um, I love seeing my guy John over there and checking out some of the food. Like it is, it, it is an exceptional place and one of one of the most unique towns in all of college football. Um, Fayetteville is one that's interesting because obviously you still play some games in Little Rock, which is not a really nice stadium, but I love the history. I love the tradition. As somebody who grew up in Birmingham going to games at Legion Field, I still think it's cool to have that out there as an option to be able to play there a little bit. But the new what they've done to Donald W. Reynolds Razorback Stadium is amazing. Um, the field level seats down in the end zone are incredible. They got the thing as almost a full bowl and it feels like it's going straight up in the end zones. They got the third deck. Now they got the whole end zone of suites. They got the gate with the hog lights that light up and that comes out and the smoke's going. But outside of Tusk, whatever number is going to be there now, RIP our previous Tusk, and seeing him being walked around the stadium and that just a giant hog sitting there in his kennel and being able to go up and feed him tomatoes and apples and whatnot. Those guys that, that manage and handle Tusk are incredible, by the way. Uh, it's a it's a fun place to go. I, I went when they're like the, the end zones weren't even closed off and it was a tough ass place to play, mainly because back then it was so tough to get to. And I remember the grass was always like that long. Like it was always like four inches tall. You're just always like, man, this grass is just different grass. It was one thing that stuck out to me. And I remember playing there. But when they get that woo pig suey going like that is that separates it, I think, from anything else. And now they got the giant video screen. They got the chance that they do on third downs. Like it's, it's a cool place, man. 10 and four there the last two years. Uh, I feel like it's, it's sneaky. It's a sneaky place to go play. It's a little bit out there. It's a little bit different. You know, some of the chants and things that fans do a little bit different. They get that thing almost all red. And it's just, it's a weird place, man. Like there's a little bit of voodoo inside that place. I don't need to say there's voodoo inside LSU because everybody knows that. But there's like a little something different in Fayetteville when you have to go and play there. Uh, Jordan Hare Stadium in Auburn. Obviously one for me, it's going to be different because, and I caught some hell on Twitter this week because somebody talked about like the best in-game experience. And I said, Auburn. And it wasn't a part of, I think it was Mike Griffith. It wasn't a part of his vote. It wasn't one of the four teams. Now, we're not talking best place, most difficult place to play. We're not talking loudest. We're just like best in-game experience. First and foremost, dotting the I, it's, it's really cool. The Sooner Schooner running out, it's really cool. There ain't nothing like that eagle flying, man. I'm sorry, there's not. And for me, it's the best tradition in college football. Because a big game at night, when that thing hits the ground, and you 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 finally finished that war eagle. Hey, I mean it is. Who, buddy? 
let me tell you, like you, it, I get chills thinking about it, talking about it right now. And I had somebody kind of call me out because I made a joke about my son this week that I played, he had his first karate test on Saturday and I played eye of the tiger for him at breakfast. And he's like, dad, the song's not cool. And I was like, Oh my God, we got a much bigger problem now. And so somebody kind of called me out like, well, has he experienced any Jordan here stadium at night? And I had to send the video out and have a video of him. I tweeted this out uh, at Cole Kubelik and it's from behind him down on the sideline before the A&M game last year. And the, the Eagles flying and it lands and he just turns around. He's like, you can tell, like, he's like, that's pretty incredible, especially if you can imagine for a five-year-old at the time, how cool that was. Um, they've got four, one or no loss seasons since 2013 at home. Um, the band is incredible. The band entrance is incredible. The band keeps really good energy for the entire game. And there've been a couple of things that have kind of changed a little bit. Like all I do is win, uh, living on a prayer swag surfing, like the student section sort of sets the tone for all that. And it's immaculate. It's, it's incredible. I give Auburn credit. I put that student section up against anybody else's student section, man. I really will. They rock it every single game. And, some of the feedback that I got from that tweet was, well, when you're when you're significantly different during the day and during the night, you can't be one of the best environments. Give me a fucking SEC school that's the same during the day than in the night. I'm just going to wait because they're all different during the day and in the night. All of them. It's all going to be better at night. Baton Rouge, Tuscaloosa, Athens, like it's a, none are better during the day. None. If you are, there's probably a you problem and you're not going to be considered one of the best anyway. So I, I just, I, I, I couldn't really grasp the reality around that sitting there trying to tell me that, well, so much is it's better at night. So you can't count that. Which one's better during the day? Zero. None of them are. It's a cool place, man. Um, just over 87,000. McElroy told me one of the toughest places he played. Trevor Knight said toughest place he ever played. Like I've had Aaron Murray said it's in the mix for him as one of the toughest places he played. Like I've had multiple opposing quarterbacks tell me, dude, there's just something different there, man. And see, I can't see it that way because I played there. So I benefited from that. I fed off that. I love that. And I just know there was always a ton of energy and it was always a fun ass place to be. And I love it. I love every minute of it. But I put Jordan-Hare Stadium up against just about any any other place. And I think this year especially, you're going to see an even different Jordan-Hare Stadium than you've seen the last few years. Uh, Davis-Wade Stadium, Mississippi State. It's a fun place to go, man. Like, once again, very unique. I talked about the footprint, a little bit wide around the benches. Uh, but the, what they've done recently with the extra decks – and especially the field seating in the one end zone, like that section gets pretty rowdy, man. Like they're fun people down there. The cowbells are so unique. There's just, there, there's not anything else like that in college football and the discipline that comes with that to be able to kind of put it down, shut it down. I actually think it makes it cooler. It reminds me of, I've said that the most disciplined fans in college football that I've ever experienced were in Fargo at a North Dakota state game, because it's like they're rowdy, rowdy, rowdy. And then as soon as they need to start calling a player there in the huddle, it's like everybody sits down and everybody's silent. And I'm talking the difference, but I'm not talking quiet, silent. And the difference between the silence and the mayhem is as different as I've heard anywhere else. And it's intentional, but there's a little bit of that discipline with state fans too. I know opposing fans won't really buy into that. They think they're always clanging them, but they're not. Um, to hear them after a good play, clang those cowbells, and then it kind of just yeah, it immediately dies down. Like, it's really cool. Um, you got, obviously, 
you know, you got a live bulldog walking around, which is always great. You know, bully comes up and he's going to be trying to lick you on the face. Um, back when I played, it was a bigger deal. I think they still do a little bit of it now. But I mean, this is first off when I went and played over there, we, we got our ass kicked twice there. I'm, I'm, I never beat Mississippi State, but playing over there was just awful because we bust there. Number one, miserable. Um, and then number two, you get in there, they play who let the dogs out more than Neyland plays you know, Rocky Top. And before the kickoffs, you know, they had their little like whatever kickoff dance that they did. And then they ran out there for kickoff cover. I think they still they still do it just like a little bit. It's not quite the same, but they do a lot of different things to get the energy going. And 46 and 21, the last 10 years at home, they've been pretty good there. Um, You know, it's obviously grass, which I think is always cooler and always better. But one of the biggest advantages that they have is where the away locker rooms are. And it's through the back end zone where the big screen is. And we used to have to like go up the side ramp to get there. And I always felt like we were going to fall. Now you don't have to go all the way up like that. I think you can just kind of go flat, but it's a nice little disadvantage for the home team to have you have to go a little bit further out and into the locker room. It takes a little bit of extra time. Just something kind of unique there that Mississippi State has that some other schools don't. Sanford Stadium in Athens, Georgia. Uh, it's a cool place. I can remember seeing that third deck for the first time when I went and I was like, man, that is up there. Like that is way, way up there. It's now Dooley Field at Sanford Stadium, which I think is appropriate and really cool. Um, they do the light up Sanford, which is like, uh, you know, the something fanfare that rolls into old glory. It's like it's really cool at the end of the third quarter because they'll turn the lights off. All the fans get the the flashlight on the iPhone going. And it's just, it's, it's pretty neat. You got the dude playing the trumpet over in the corner, which a couple of little unique traditions. Ugga's got his little house over there. He's laying on a bed of ice. It's always cool to see what he's doing and go by him. And it's good energy, man. You got the spike squad with like the road warrior spikes. I don't know if the kid that paints himself white still goes out there for every game or the ball guys who paint the top of their head, but like uh, just some unique traditions there. And once again, I think very similar to Alabama because of how good Georgia's been. I think the the environment gets bumped down a couple of notches, but it's pretty good. Now, I mean, we were fine when we went over there. I didn't lose there, but um, it can get loud. And you've obviously you've got the hedges. You've got just a lot of different like unique traditions that have been cool over time and that are still cool there. Uh, right now, I mean, you know, go dogs, sick them, and then they bark after the kickoffs. Like that's one of those very unique sort of cheers and chants that SEC fans do. That one sticks out as much as any other right before kicker as kickoff. So, I mean, with the War Eagle Hay at Auburn, what Bama does, like those are things that stick out when you go to a game there. That's one of the big takeaways for Georgia. Now they do the pregame video, which is really cool. They've got the the exit tunnel where they come out. The entrance tunnel, I guess, is a little bit different with the big gate. Uh, and they do a pretty good job with that. So I think it's a really tough place to play. And I think it's an I think it's actually probably based on national attention, underrated. Because there's just never a lot of focus on, oh, at Georgia or Sanford Stadium. It's a lot of focus on the team, rightfully so. But I do think there should be more focus on the environment because it's not like it's an easy place to go play. Um, Tennessee, Neyland Stadium. Oh, man. I put this one up there next to LSU as far as just cathedral-like history, tradition. You can't walk into this place and not start thinking about different eras and different players 
and Reggie White and Carl Pickens and T. Martin and Peyton Manning and Jamal Lewis and Al Wilson. You see the pictures of the guys up top. General Nealon, and you get those squares with the V, the O, the L, and the S that are lit up like an old Phillips 76 sign or something, like, an, like a 1950s gas station, but it's it's awesome. And then it, it's like, it's you know, obviously the big bowl that when you look up there, it just feels like it never stops. When you're in those stands and you step out into the aisle to walk down, especially if you're up a little bit higher, like you feel like if you tripped and stumbled, you would end up on the field. And there is actually a little bit of distance behind the middle of the benches. So it's not necessarily as on you as some other places, but God almighty, does it get loud? Um, I mentioned, you know, we went there and we played Tennessee tough in 98 at home. We win the national championship. We go there in 99. Ben Laird's hurt. Jeff Klein, God rest his soul. I love you, Jeff. Rest easy, my friend. Um, Turns and throws an uncovered check. First play of the game. Deion Grant intercepts it, takes it back. And that right there, folks, that that moment is the loudest I have ever heard any stadium in my entire life. And I remember Ben Lear was standing next to me and because we were both hurt for that game. And I, I turned over and I was like, man, that's loud. And he didn't even, he was looking up like, and I said, man, that's loud. Like I'm yelling at him as loud as I can. He couldn't hear me. Like just nothing. Um, it's in that that is a volume that's intimidating because it gets to the point where it cuts off your communication. It, it legitimately does. And when that happens, that becomes a real problem. And when people face with problems that people start to panic, therefore that is allowing intimidation to set in and affect you as a player, as a team, as a unit, as a side of the football. It just is. Smokey's running around. He barks after every time the fans start going nuts. That's incredible. Then you have the actual mascot Smokey that's running around. The checkered end zones, like that's tough to beat, man. But what they've done recently to upgrade the in-game experience, uh, when the lights go out and the, the orange LEDs around the top, and then they orange the T and they get the orange spotlight down on it, man, I'm going to tell you what, that's about as cool as I've ever seen. Like anything, anywhere in college football, it's up there. That entrance, when that T opens up and now they've got the orange LEDs on and the spotlight down on it, get out of here, man. Like that is legit. Undefeated at home last year and with where this program is kind of crawling back to has become 101,915 people. It's always going to be one of the most difficult places to play. And on top of all that, on top of everything we said, you got Rocky Top 7,596 times a game. And I can tell you as a player, it doesn't bother me anymore. It, it kind of used to, but now I just, it's kind of cool. It's just kind of part of it. But as a player, after the fifth or sixth time, you're like, all right, that's enough. I've had it. Like, please do something to make that stop. And it doesn't matter if they're down 50, it ain't going to stop. So, it's up there with one of the best everything. And then you got the vault. If you want to go outside the stadium, I think one thing that makes it unique are all the hills around campus and how it really feels like it's kind of tucked away. Like it's not out there all by itself. And you got the vault Navy. If you come in that way, it's just spectacular. It's a cool place, man. All right. South Carolina. Everybody always says it's one of the most underrated places to play college football. One of the most underrated places to go win. I, I don't think Williams Bryce is that anymore. I just think it's one of the toughest places to play. Like at some point in time, we have to say it's just one of the toughest places to play and remove underrated because it's not underrated anymore. 
And you got a laundry list of things that are awesome here. It has that similar footprint to what Sanford Stadium, Jordan Hare, and Brian Denny have. I don't know. I don't know who the architect was that came up with all these, or if that was the only one you were allowed to use when these stadiums were constructed. But they have the same one. It goes out around the bench area, but it gets really tight in the corners, which I kind of like. It's snug. I also like how you have the hedges in the end zones, and then it's like the fans are there. So when I do a game there, like I have to kneel down to get out of people's way pretty low when I'm I love to watch games from the back of the end zone. So when I go there, I have to like really kneel down. Now keep in mind, this is a place I've been a bunch of games to. My mom went to Carolina, my dad went to Carolina. I probably had 30 family members go to Carolina. So I grew up going to Carolina Clemson games, a bunch of Carolina games there. It's as good now as I've ever seen it. With what they do with the, you know, the big fire when they run out and the smoke. Obviously, 2001 Space Odyssey is incredible. Then you get before kickoff Sandstorm. And then they have this like video montage, Stranger Things, Separate Ways, um, something Alley Trends remix video that they have that is, I mean, it's got a little don't stop believing in there. I think it's like, it's awesome. It's, it's incredible. Now you got Justin King doing your video. It's going to be badass no matter what. So like that guy deserves all the raises and he's the one that does all the, the, the uniform releases and the, the videos that are on the boards and everything. It's awesome. It's great. But then that rolls into sandstorm again, and man, those towels get going in the student section. Like we've done a couple of games there where it's been about 80% full and it's been as loud as anywhere we've been. Like it gets rocking and then don't have a game there when the state fair is there. Cause yeah, we're going to piss some people off for eating donut burgers on the sideline. Like that's, that's probably going to happen, but, and George's going to make people mad for eating a, a two foot long corn dog, but uh, it's then that just adds to it. And that just makes it even more bananas, but you get to that end zone where the student section is, I mean, it's, it is rowdy. The towels get going, sandstorms going right before kick two. It's a cool place to go watch a game, man. And I'm just, I just, I want to set the record straight from my perspective. I don't think it's the most underrated place in the SEC to play. I think it's one of the most difficult places in the SEC to play. You can't be both. It's just a tough ass environment. That's what it is. So it's a fun place. If you hadn't been, you need to go because then you've got the real Gamecock. I don't know if we ended up naming him Cock Commander or what we call him now, but he's got like the little robot tank that he rolls around on. The ladies feed him the whole time. Like it's just nonstop. That's what I'm like. The in-game atmosphere, the in-game experience there is, is pretty cool because now they have the really good videos with the lasers and the LEDs and all this other stuff. Like it's, it's just, it's cool, man. It's a great place. Go watch a game there if you can. Uh, the setting around it, maybe not as good. Like you got all that fairgrounds to be able to tailgate. So there's a lot of that going. You got the cockabooses on the other side of the stadium, which is unique. Very cool. Very neat. But that's kind of not the conversation we're having today. But that is included in, in the all of it. The all encompassing experience is part of it, but not tucked in there like Tennessee, which is part of what makes Neyland so cool. Um, I think right now, right this very second, the most underrated place to play in the league is Kroger Field at Kentucky. Because even the places we thought were underrated for a while, like Davis Wade, or as we just talked about, Williams Bryce, I think people now know we've had enough games on TV, enough people have talked about it. We know those places are hard to play. So they're like, we're not hiding those anymore. Very rarely do I hear people talk about Kroger Field being a tough place to go play. 
Now, I know just that in general probably brings it down a notch. Like you're named after a grocery store. Is what it is in the today's business of collegiate athletics. Fine. Don't love that it's turf, even though they're getting new turf. Don't love that. But they show up and they stay and they get louder than you think for 61,000 people. Um, there is not a portion around the field that's very far removed. So the access to be able to talk trash and be loud is pretty good. And I'm going to tell you, in the third quarter, when Waka Flocka gets going, Broad Street, um, it, it is a party in there at that point. And they get that thing jamming and they get that thing lit up like it is a fun ass place to be. I love how they do the world worlds, like the big alien ship tugboat sound, whatever. I don't even know how to do it. They do that before third downs. Like that's unique and that's cool, but it's just, I feel like everybody's having fun when you go to a game there. They have like seven different dance teams. Cause we know like cheer and dance in Kentucky is like a huge deal. Like it's, Pom-pom, dance team, cheer, professional cheer, associate cheer, like that, whatever. It just adds to it though. So, you know, you got the mascot walking around. Like it's, it's just a, it's a very cool environment. And then what they've done to sort of the facade and the TV booth and everything around it, like it's, they've cleaned it up a lot. It's a really cool place. I think it's vastly underrated. And I say that only because I've been to a lot of games, as you guys know, a lot last few years, and no one ever talks about it. No one ever talks about going to play there. And that weather, it gets chilly quick, a lot chillier than a lot of other SEC towns. So that can play into it as well. Uh, next one's kind of tough, man, because, you know, Steve Spurrier Field at Ben Hill Griffin Stadium or Florida Field, Steve Spurrier Field at Florida Complex at Ben Hill Griffin Stadium, the swamp, if you will. It's awesome. There's nothing like it. And I mean it because architecturally, there's nothing like it, first and foremost. Um, I remember when we went down there and played in 2000, and we played down there also, uh, I think it was 98. And nine, you know, the, the one guy did like the spray pan sheet, whatever it was, spray painted sheet. And it was Curse Auburn. K-E-A-R-S-E is in Javon Curse Auburn. I was just like, that's good. It's creative. I'll give you credit for that. But you get in there, man, and like the architecture doesn't make sense. You start looking at the angles and the seats, like how did what even happened there? But it's also really cool. And as far as volume goes, it can get there and it can get there with anybody. And this is one that is a little weird to talk about right now because it's, it, it might not be what it's been right this very second. But it's hard for me to never include the swamp in one of the most difficult places to play in the SEC because I've been there and not been able to make checks. I've been there when it's loud. I've been there when it's rowdy as a commentator on the sideline, um, as a player multiple times, it ain't fun. And maybe the hardest part about being there as a player is when you go over to your bench, there's a rule that was grandfathered in for, for Ben Hill, Griffith stadium, Florida field, at Steve Spurs field, field, whatever where the student section overlaps the bench area just a little bit. So when you come over on the bench and you sit down, there is a, there's a walkway that almost my shoulders almost don't fit through. Like I almost have to walk sideways. Like it's bare. It's just the width of my shoulders. 
between bench, chain link fence, that space I mentioned, and then student section. And so the offense was down on that end. And I can tell you that every time we came off the field, one by one, they went down every offensive lineman. Pasillo, you, Simmons, uh, Sear, uh, Cooper, Cooper, let's have, keep the hot. They couldn't say the name. Every single person, they just went one by one by one by one. McGarry, you mother. Like just down all the way to every single time. And they are literally right there. They're like three feet behind you. And they're just giving you the business the entire time you're over there. It's awesome. I did a hit one game that we did there, like standing there, just kind of showing we had a, our jib, our camera that's kind of on a little crane and like was shooting down on us, like just kind of showing the difficulty and the proximity of it. It's one thing that makes it cool, man. It makes it unique. Um, and I will say this once again, I don't care who was first. I don't care who tries to claim credit. The first like third end of third quarter, going to fourth quarter song that took off from the entire stadium standpoint where everything was put into it was Tom Petty and won't back down. And that was pretty cool because we did a game there the year after he passed and that was special, but especially at night, they turn the lights out, all the iPhone lights are on. And when they get to that, Hey, I mean the whole damn place is going at it and it's awesome and it's good. And you know, then you get debate. And then obviously they get the gator chomp going. And it's just that there are a lot of things that are super unique and super cool with all of Florida football but there are a lot of them that are directly attached to that stadium. And I know it's maybe not the most intimidating right this second, but God forbid if Billy gets it going for a year or two, it will be right back there at the top. And they'll either be inching to knock the number one team out of that spot, or they'll be holding that number one spot. Because the other part is, like I said, with LSU, if it's before October, like probably before mid October, it's going to be hot. Don't let a rainstorm come through 30 minutes before kick. You might die. Like it's that humid, it's that hot, it's that thick, it's that gross. Uh, but it is a fun place to watch a game. Uh, 25 and 6 there since 2018. Pretty crazy. Um, Faro Field in Missouri. This is one that a lot of you listening to this probably haven't been. Um, but I do think it's cool and I do think it's unique. Now, volume, probably not where we're going to be with some of these other stadiums we talked about, but you got the Rock M in one end zone. It is on campus, which I think is cool, but it's it's a little spread out. The new addition they've done in the back end zone away from the Rock M is spectacular. You've got that on-field seating with a couple suites. I think that sort of ramps it up just a little bit. There is a good distance away, though, from the bench and the stands. It's like bench, track, grass hill, brick wall, stands. I think it's too much. I, th I think it really takes away. But their students do bring it. Like, they they get into the game. Like, they have, they have fans that are dedicated. And it doesn't feel like a tough place to play. But I think because nobody ever talks about it or hears about it, when you get there, you're kind of like, man, it kind of hits you in the face a little bit. Not going to put it up there with some other spots, but it can be really good at times and don't have to go play there late in the year. I mentioned Lexington can get chilly. Como cools down quick 
and be very different. It's like Florida going there this year. Like that to me is almost a win for Missouri just because it's November 18th or whatever it is. Um, but they got the big yellow fire truck that goes around. Obviously Truman's run around the mascot. He's pretty cool. They're kind of like Hoover high school in which they have more dance, more members of the dance team and the cheer team than they do the football team. Like they just line them up from one end zone to the other end zone. And I think they still wrap or one sideline to the other. And then I think they wrap in the end zone, like the, whatever the dance teams, golden girls or whatever they're called. Like they just go for, they have their own indoor facility across the street to, to practice. Like they're a big deal. Uh, but there are like unique things that happen there. They got the the giant helmet golf cart, which is awesome. I got to ride that one game. Um, so there are fun things there. There are things in game that make it pretty cool. Like I think about my kids taking them to a game there and how much they would love it. I know that doesn't make it a tough place to play, but if you're just talking in-game experience, there are some things there that make it better. And the new addition with the big scoreboard and whatnot has has taken it up a notch and definitely helped out. So if you haven't been, go. Don't think it's a place that you don't need to see because you don't hear a lot about it. Froefield's a pretty cool place to go watch a game. And then obviously First Bank Stadium in Vanderbilt, just under 40,000. You know, the additions that they're doing are going to help. Um, I have seen Georgia play in this place and sell it out. I have seen L- I've been at a game here where LSU came and drank the place out. I have been to a game there where Florida was playing and Kyle Shermer had to go silent count as the home quarterback. So we got a ways to go. Um, I do think Candace Story Lee has done a great job of actually getting some of these projects moving because it needs to happen. But there are some, there are some unique aspects. I mean, like you can see it's part of the skyline. You've got the little overhang in the one end zone, which like could be really cool if it ever got going. So there's just, and it's, it's really tight too, as far as the fans, the fans are right on you. So if you can get your fans excited about it, it could be a place that actually works to your advantage. It just hasn't been for a long time. All right. So let's go through my, this is my top five most difficult places to win in the sec right now. And as always, we're brought to you by blue Delta jeans, go to bluedeltajeans.com. Check them out today because you want premium denim. You want denim that's custom fit. You don't want to have bell bottoms anymore. You don't want it to be sagging too much. You want to look like a professional and you want it to be breathable and stretchy and comfortable. And Blue Delta delivers all of that. So go to bluedeltajeans.com. Tell Nick and the guys you heard about them right here on Cube Show. They will get you hooked up. I have multiple pair. Wear them everywhere. All right. Five most difficult places to play right now in the SEC. Number five was tough. And I'll just tell you, the teams that came in, South Carolina came in, A&M came in, Auburn came in, Florida came in, and I had to go with Florida. I had to go with the Swamp. Because like I said before, even though it might not be at its best recently or everything it can be right now, this place always has the potential to be ungodly. And it can get there in a hurry. It can get there really quick. And I've witnessed it both standing on the sideline calling a game, and I've witnessed it as a player trying to make calls on the field. The swamp packs that punch, just not as consistently as some of these other places, and obviously things not as good as they've been right now, but just don't let them sit in that on-deck circle too long because when they get that opportunity with the bases loaded, a lot of times they're going to come through. All right, uh, number four right now is LSU. This is not as much an indictment on LSU as it is crediting some of these other teams. This is always one of the loudest places to play. It's always an insane place to play. It's always a fun place to go. And 
They had a big bounce back year last year, which I think will help going into this year. I would anticipate maybe they're a little bit higher on this list this year. And by the way, like I said earlier, I think Auburn jumps into the top five on this list this year. Just the excitement. They already sold out of, of season tickets. Everybody's excited about Freeze, what he's done in the portal. They And Auburn's kind of momentum-based anyway. They win a couple of games, whoop, right up they're going to go. But I think you look at this LSU team. They've had one or no losses five times at home since 2013. They've been pretty damn good there. They know how to win football games there. And they're a team that is different at home. We know that. They wear white at home. Not a lot of teams try to pull that off. Um, but only are they a little bit down on the list because of where some of these other teams are. And I'm going to credit two teams in a different way than a lot of other people would. Because a lot of people, I think, would just go volume, capacity, and then maybe extra things that happen in the stadium. But there's one thing that we leave out a lot of times. Number three for me is Sanford Stadium the most difficult place to win right now in the SEC. You realize Georgia's 15-0 and at home the last three years. 1-5-0 and zero at home the last three years. That is pure insanity. 92,000-plus going to be packed in there, going crazy, barking at you. They've been unbeaten in five of the last six years at home. So at some point, when we're talking about the most difficult places to play, we at least have to allow the numbers to be a part of that conversation. Georgia's home numbers have been absolutely dominant at home in recent memory. We have to take that into consideration. This is a team that just does not lose very much in that building. So we have to at least think about it. 31-1 and since 2017 at home. Folks, that's ridiculous. So what we do is we talk about the team and the players and the D-line and the linebackers and the running backs and the quarterbacks and the tight end, which is great. And that's fine. But you guys also realize that's part of winning there is playing against that. So, yeah, I'm going to allow that. I want to make that part of this practice is that going somewhere and trying to win. What makes it hard? Well, the best damn team in America makes it pretty hard. So I'm going to allow that into my discussion. And George is number three on my list. Number two on my list, Neyland Stadium, Knoxville, Tennessee. We went through all the things that make it great a little bit earlier. And it is. It's wonderful. Unbeaten at home last year, as I mentioned. But this place, I'm telling you, when that neon goes around the bowl and they black it out and the tee opens up and it's orange and the spotlight's down on it. Another part of this is kind of where they are versus where they've been. This is the hungriest fan base in the Southeastern Conference. Now, do they stay there? I don't probably, but I don't know. Baseball ripping, you know, basketball pretty good football back. So they have a lot of things to be happy about right now. A lot of things. And, you know, you look at just exactly what Tennessee football can be. I think the fans see that again. They feel that again. When I was there for the Ole Miss game two years ago, it was back. Neyland was back. That's the way it's supposed to be. It's the way I remember it. It's the way people know it of. So if that's the case, then there aren't too many places that are better. And now you're playing with a team that can score points and do different things. So number two, most difficult place to win in the SEC right now, Neyland Stadium, Knoxville, Tennessee. Finally, number one. And we don't talk about this place very much like this. And part of it hurts me to talk about this place like this, other than the fact that I'm undefeated at this place. 
Bryant-Denny Stadium in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. You probably say, I've heard it's not that loud. All right, fine. It might not be as loud as LSU or as Tiger Stadium, Death Valley. It might not be as loud as Neyland. You know what? It's not as loud as Neyland. I don't think it's as loud as Auburn. But to go win there, you have to play that team. And that has to be a part of this practice. I don't know why we don't allow that to be a part of this when we discuss it so often. They've been unbeaten at home seven of the last eight years. I'm going to say that one more time. Seven out of the last eight football seasons, Alabama has not lost a game at home. Since 2007, they have not lost multiple games at home. 2008 on, have not lost more than one game at home. Those losses, five at home since 2008. 2010 Auburn came back. 2011 LSU, Game of the Galaxy. 2012 A&M, Johnny Football's coming out party. 2015 Ole Miss, ball bouncing everywhere game. 2019 LSU, world meet Joe Burrow. So not only have you lost to four teams at home since 2008, total at home, total, Cam Newton, Joe Burrow, Johnny Manziel, like one was the game of the century. I call it the game of the galaxy. The other was the comeback. The other one was Johnny football, essentially stealing, just like grabbing the Heisman and running. And the other one was maybe the most productive quarterback we've ever seen. Like folks, not only were those the only losses, but look at, they almost all have nicknames for the individual games. 66 and two at home the last 10 years. I know there's a hit me in the comments. I don't care. Tell me how much you hate this list. Tell me how much you hate me. It's fine. But when you do that, please go subscribe on YouTube at cube show 61. Go find us on Apple podcasts, go find us on Spotify and please subscribe and please download and listen. Cause we appreciate you guys for doing that. We have this little bitty audience and I'm so appreciative of the 15 or 16 people that listen and watch every week. Thank you so much. Our subscriber list on YouTube is minuscule, but by God, we're going to keep trying to build it up. We're going to be back talking mostly X's and O's every week. I wanted to have this fun discussion because it was a little bit different. We'll be leading in the SEC media days next week. Probably talk a little offensive lines, go through a couple of those groups, the big hog mollies that was going around this week as well. Kind of a slow news week outside of the stuff at Northwestern, which I'll just kind of sidebar say the things that are happening are completely egregious. But I thought when you hazed people that the point was for the hazers to embarrass the hazees. And I'm not taking away from anything that happened to the victims because it, that that the stuff that has been alleged is scary, honestly. But I'm more concerned with the choices of the hazees than a lot of other things in this instance. I also think it's easy to just point the finger to Pat Fitzgerald here and say, look, he's got to go. Cancel culture, right? It's where we are. And I'm not going to look at this. Trust me, there's a lot of this that I want to look at and say, Man, kids ain't tough anymore. Can't take a little hazing. This is different than shaving somebody's head or taping them to a goalpost and dumping an ice bucket on them. I played center in college. And a naked center quarterback exchange is something that I would absolutely walk the fuck away from. And everybody else should too. 
completely uncalled for, completely unnecessary. And that's what the transfer portal is for. Not to diminish anything that anyone went through here if it actually took place. But be careful because there are a lot of players that are coming out defending Pat Fitzgerald and a lot of players that are coming out and talking about how great he is, what he's done and what he's built and how he's helped them. What I have not seen from a player, former or current, was a complete rebuttal that any of this ever happened. And then where some of these things were allegedly happening is also disgusting because there are places in which should not take place and should be somewhere that every football player feels at home, feels safe and feels continuity. So there's a lot of this that's ugly. There's a lot of this that's bad. There's a lot of this that people are going to jump way overboard to the conclusions on. I want to see more of the investigation. I want to hear from more people that were potentially involved or around this before I'm going to make a complete judgment on either side. But the choices that were made by some of these individuals and the acts in which they attempted to put some people through, if they're true, you got problems, is all I'm going to say. We're back next week with another Cube Show. Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.